And indeed, it is finished. Do you realize what a privilege it is for us to be in the house of the Lord every night this week? Yes. I know many of you are tired from long days, but it is a privilege to be able to openly worship our Lord here every night. And so we give God thank you and thanks, praise and thanks for that opportunity. Well, a 60-year-old billionaire decided that he was going to get married again. Well, the girl that he married was 23 years old. His friends were all jealous. And so they asked, how is it that a 60-year-old man would marry a 23-year-old woman? Or how is it that she would marry you? He said, I lied about my age. So they inquired and they said, well, how young did you say that you are? You don't look that young. He said, I told her I was 87. If you don't understand, ask the person next to you, all right? All right, we're good. Well, this week, we've been on the theme, Pastor Junior has led us beautifully on the theme of being reset or resetting certain things in our lives. And so this evening, I want to continue on that theme. And this evening, we're going to ask the Lord to help reset our mindset and our attitude. Reset our mindset and our attitude for it is so important because it all stems from what we think and how we act. And all of that is connected from what we've been talking about this week. And so if you are able to, would you stand as we read God's word? And the scripture tonight is taken from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11, and you can feel free to follow along on the screen. And this version is the New Living Translation. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege that is ours to come into your house and to hear from you tonight. And Lord, we thank you for the way that we have been challenged this week already. And we pray that, Father, you would continue to have your way, that your Holy Spirit would move amongst your people, and that, Lord, indeed, you would bring about the change and the transformation that we desire and that you desire from us, O God. And so, Lord, tonight, as you speak, I pray that you would use me as your instrument. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, be with your people tonight, and may you speak boldly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. When we talk about resetting our mindset and our attitude, it's important for us to understand what attitude is. We all have attitude. Did you know that? We all have attitude. Some have good attitude and some not so good attitude. But whether we realize it or not, we all have attitude. Attitude is a mental state relative to what we believe and it affects our entire lives. So we express our attitude through our words and our actions. Our mindset affects our attitude. So in other words, 
what I believe and what I think affects what I do and how I do it. Did you get that? What I believe and what I think now affects what I do and how I do it. It's my attitude. It's my mindset and my attitude. And it's important that we understand that they go hand and hand together. Because if I think about something a certain way, my attitude and how I react to that will affect it. You see? They go hand in hand together. Attitude is also a choice. We can choose to have a certain attitude about something. And that attitude affects every area of our lives, whether we realize it or not. Our attitude is a choice. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 tells us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We become what we think and what we allow to continue to dwell in our hearts. The Bible tells us as we just read that scripture passage, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And so it leads me to ask myself the question of, what is the attitude that Christ Jesus had? Have, and am I following that same attitude? Do I have that same attitude if I'm told that I should have the attitude of Christ? You see, a lot of people walk around and some have good attitudes and not so good attitudes. But we walk around and we, depending on what we think, depending on how we feel, it reflects how we react to certain things. Do you know a lot of us put ourselves on spiritual roller coasters that we don't need to be put on? That one day if God answers my prayer, I feel victorious. I feel that God is in control. He's sitting on the throne. He's listening to me. But the next day, if God doesn't answer my prayer the way that I want him to or he doesn't come through, then God, where are you? How come you're not out there? Why have you left me? I don't understand and I feel defeated. I feel the enemy is winning. We put ourselves on a spiritual roller coaster because we fail to understand that it's not about what God does or doesn't do. It's the fact that he is still in control no matter what. He is still in control no matter what. God may bless me or he may choose not to bless me in a certain way, but I can still choose to be joyful. And many of us measure our blessings based on the material things that we have. Come on now. We measure our blessings based on the material things that we have. But what about the blessings that we cannot see? What about the fact that God helped us to wake up in our right mind this morning? What about the fact that you have air in your lungs and you're able to breathe? Or the fact that you're able to move and to walk or to see or to hear? What about those things? You see, we can choose to be joyful. We can choose to give God thanks and praise no matter what. And I tell myself this all the time, that it's not about what I have or what I don't have. Because sometimes when we have, we say, oh, we'll be happy if we have this. We'll be joyful if we have this. Come on, right? If I just have this, then I'll be happy. If I could just get this, if I could just earn this amount of money, if I could just buy this house, if I could just get to this place in my life, then I will be happy. But God says to choose to be happy. It's an attitude. It's an attitude because it's not about the stuff that I have. And I thought about this last night, okay? This is what came to my mind. Your stuff does not determine your status. That's pretty profound, whether you think so or not. I think so. I thought of it, so these are my words. Your stuff does not determine your status. In other words, I can have or I may not have, but that does not change who God says that I am. He says that I am his child. He says that he is the king, and I am a child of the king. Whether I have stuff or I don't have stuff, whether I have a lot or a little, I have learned to be content because he is still God. And he has told me who he is. And I can choose to have joy. I can choose to have a good attitude. Whether I get all of the material things in life that I want or whether I don't. Because it's not about the stuff. But it's about the fact that he has called me 
his child. It's the fact that I am saved, that I am sanctified, that I am adopted into his family, that I am bound for heaven. That is what we can give thanks for. That is what we can be grateful and thankful for. God's not concerned about the outward appearance. He's not concerned about the stuff in our lives. He's concerned about the condition of our heart, the attitude that we have. So I can choose to be joyful when I see other people being blessed with the things that I'm praying for. (laughs) You can choose to be grateful and thankful and joyful when you see other people being blessed with the things that you're praying for. When you see someone who just got engaged, when you see someone who's expecting a baby, when you see someone who's just paid off their mortgage or got that raise or job promotion, when you see someone who got into the school that you applied for and didn't get into, when you see someone who just bought a new vehicle and you need a new vehicle, when you see people who are being blessed in different ways, we can choose to be joyful with them. The Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice. Instead of us turning up our face and saying, well, hmm, good for them. The Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice. Choose to be happy. Choose to have that attitude that you are happy for them, even though God has not yet answered your prayer. Because let me tell you that what is for you will come. (laughs) You don't have to be jealous. You don't have to beg, steal, borrow, plead. You don't have to do any of that because what God has for you, you will get in his time. You will get that. And so we can be happy and rejoice with those who rejoice. Our attitude affects what we do and how we treat people. And we see that all over the Bible, how negative attitude can have negative effects on people. We see Jacob tried to trick Esau into giving up his birthright. He was jealous and he wanted that place. And so he tricked him simply because Esau was hungry and he took advantage of that. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery simply because they were jealous that their father favored him. And so they sold him and pretended and acted as if he had died. The Pharisees tried to accuse and to trap Jesus over and over again simply because he was getting this following that people wanted to hear him, that people wanted to follow him, and they didn't want anyone to follow anyone but them. We see that the Israelites grumbled and they complained. If anyone had an attitude, it was the Israelites. (laughs) You know. They were in the wilderness, but they had forgotten all that God had done for them. God had rescued them out of the bondage that they were in in Egypt. God had parted the Red Sea for them. God had provided water in the desert when they were thirsty. He had provided the manna for them to eat. He had enabled their clothes not to wear out. He had done so much for them. Yet when we read about the story over and over, it says that they grumbled, they complained, they argued. And you know what their favorite phrase was? Did you bring us out in this desert to die? That back home in Egypt, we had pots of meat. We had this and we had that. But they forgot that they were on a journey that God was taking them on. They forgot that God was doing something new and good in their lives. But all they could think of was the past. They were ungrateful for the things that God had done. See, so easily people can forget the goodness of the Lord. So easily people can forget the goodness of each other. (laughs) The Bible tells us and reminds us as the psalmist says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. You see, when we're going through difficult times, We can call upon the Lord, reminding ourselves of what he has done, reminding ourselves of his faithfulness in our lives, because it's those times where we need to hold on and cling to God's faithfulness, where we say, God, you are the same God who brought me through this, and you will get me through this, that God, you have been faithful in the past, and you will continue to be faithful. God, you are not a God that you should lie, but you are from everlasting to everlasting, and you are more than able. We cannot forget the goodness of the Lord. 
Do we choose to have an attitude of gratitude? Do we choose to worship the Lord with gladness? You see, one psalm that I think we often overlook, Psalm 100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Listen to this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The Lord is good all the time. And he is worthy to be praised all the time. And I want you to specifically note that he says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. What this is talking about is the attitude that we approach the Lord in worship. The attitude that we come before him in is so important. And of course, I understand that when we come into the house of the Lord, Things are not always fine and dandy and perfect in our lives. There are many times, I'm sure you like me, have come in to a time of worship and your mind is just not all there because it's wondering and it's thinking about all the things that have happened. Whether you just had a fight with your spouse at home, whether your kids are driving you crazy, whether you're running late and you forgot something you needed later, whether your pantyhose ripped, your button ripped off, you realize your shirt is backwards, There are a lot of things that are on our mind. But what God is saying is when you enter my gates, you enter and you focus on me. (laughs) Enter my gates with thanksgiving and my courts with praise. It doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. It doesn't matter what's happened or what is happening. When we come before the Lord, we are to give him full focus. We are to continue to give him the full time of our worship. And of course, we understand there are a lot of things that go on, but we are still to give him the priority. We are not to forget about his faithfulness. He is good all the time. And too many times, People forget about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. They forget about it when it's not right there in front of them. You see, when we're in that time, as our sister Kathy Ann sang, in the valley, when we're walking through that valley, when we're going through the desert, a lot of people don't realize that in order to stand on the mountaintop or get into the promised land, that there are some valleys you're going to have to walk through, that there are some deserts that you're going to have to cross over. But God reminds us that the same God who stands with us on the mountaintop, the same God who sees us through to the promised land is the God who walks with us through the valley. He is there, and we can rest assured that he is with us, that we don't need to fear, but we can still have that attitude of praise, that attitude of thanksgiving, that attitude of coming before him. This weekend, as we approach this weekend of thanksgiving, a weekend that many set aside to give thanks for the things in their lives. May we be challenged to continuously give thanks each and every day of our lives to the Lord, to give thanks for what he has done, to give thanks for who he is, to give thanks for his faithfulness, to simply give thanks for who he is. We are thankful. And so I challenge us to ask ourselves, are we coming before the Lord with the right attitude? When we come into his house, when we go into prayer, in every aspect of our lives, do we have the right attitude? Because God is not only here in church. God is not only in your home when you're praying. God is all over. We live in the presence of God. We invite him into our presence, but he's already here. So when we live our lives, it should be in that attitude of worship all the time. Am I living with that attitude of worship? Or do I just turn it on when I come into church? Or do I just turn it on when I'm in Bible study or prayer meeting or whenever it is? Because we're not here to impress other people. We're here for the audience of one. (laughs) 
We're here for God and God alone, for us to worship him and to continue to look to him. The psalmist David writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. May we, like David, say, God, if there is anything wrong with my attitude, if there's anything in my life that doesn't belong, change my mindset, change my attitude, oh God, change my heart. If it needs to be changed, may we ask the Lord to change it. The scripture we read earlier says, though he, that is Jesus, was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. I ask myself, what does that mean exactly? Well, because Jesus was God, he didn't just simply depend on that and hold to that standard and say, well, I'm God, I can do whatever I want. No, instead, he humbled himself. And he took on death on a cross. You see, Jesus came even though he was God in the flesh. He came not to do his own will, but the will of his Father. That's why in the garden he said, whatever your will is, not my will, but your will be done. And sometimes as Christians, I feel that we may have the attitude of, well, I'm saved and I can just do whatever I want. I'm a Christian. Right? Some people have that attitude that I can just live however, I can do whatever because I'm saved. So in other words, I'm safe. Because I'm saved, I'm now safe. There's no, you know, issues. Now, we are saved, but you see, the, how we identify Christians or how we should be identified as disciples of Jesus Christ is by our fruit. Are we bearing fruit? Can others see Christ in us through how we live, through how we talk, through the decisions that we make, through the places that we go? Can others see Christ in us? Because it's important for us to say it's not what we want because it's not about us. It's not what I want to do. It's not about my carnal, my fleshly desires and wants, but it's about what God wants in me. It's what he wants to do in me. If he wants me to go there, am I willing to go there? If he wants me to move there, am I willing to move there? If he wants me to become this, am I willing to become this? Am I willing to do the will of Christ? Because it's not about what I want, but it's simply about what God wants in us. Are we allowing that? I have two brothers, and my older brother, Mark, uh, many times I've witnessed that he would come home from work, and whatever food is prepared, he would often say, I'm not hungry. I, I don't know if you have kids like that or older kids, but he would say, I'm not hungry. And so I wondered, you know, like, he doesn't eat very much or, you know, whatever. And so one day, I needed to use his vehicle to go pick up something because his vehicle is bigger than my vehicle. And so I decided that I was going to take his vehicle. And as I got in, I saw all these bags, (laughs) McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, all these bags of garbage that he had in the front and the back. And I thought to myself, now this makes sense. Okay? This makes sense. This is why he's never hungry and he doesn't want to eat at home because he's too full when he comes home because he's already eaten outside. Okay? So it makes sense now. So Mark, we, I had to tell your secret. Sorry about that. <laughs> but I tell you this to say this, that as Christians and as people of God, we can often fill ourselves up on the things of this world. We can often be so full of the things in this world that when we come before God, we're already full that we can't be full of him. That we're already full that we can allow him to come into our lives and to fill us the way he desires to fill us. And so are we full of ourselves? Are we full of the things of this world? Are we full of the earthly desires that many chase after? Or are we full of Jesus Christ. What is it that you are full of? (laughs) Think about it. What are you full of? (laughs) Are you full of yourself or do you want to be full of Christ? Because in order for us to be full of Christ, we need to say, Lord, help me to remove the things of this world from my life. Help me to remove the self 
that I've been focused on so much. Help me, Lord, because it's not about me, but it's all about you. To say, Lord, I want less of me. I don't want the glory. When others see me, I don't want them to see all the things that I've achieved. I don't want them to see, wow, look at what I did. But I want them to see what Christ did in me. That when I boast, I will say that it's not me, but I will boast in the cross of Christ. That I will boast in Jesus Christ, knowing that I cannot achieve anything on my own. That it's not about my desires, it's not about my education, it's not about my hard work, but it's simply Christ. And we are to point the glory to him as we sang, every praise is to our God. Every praise, not to ourselves, but to God and God alone. It causes us to have more of him and less of us. The scripture goes on to say, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You see, although Jesus was God in the flesh, he remained humble. He remained humble. And we too must learn from that, that we must stay humble. That we must stay humble the way that Jesus stayed humble. Even though he was something to look at. Even though he was spectacular. The Bible says there was nothing that was special about him. Nothing that would draw people to him except when people heard his words. You see, Jesus wasn't beautiful or he wasn't handsome more than anyone else. Sometimes we read about how David was handsome or how Saul was handsome or, you know, they were good looking or this woman was beautiful. There was nothing about that with Jesus. There was nothing physically appealing about him. But you know why he had followers? Because when he opened his mouth, it was blessed and it was anointed. That when people listened to his words, they wanted to know more. People gathered. They gathered on hillsides. They gathered in crowds. They followed him from place to place because what he had to say was important. What he had to say was blessed. He was humble. Yet he spoke with authority. He spoke God's word with authority. And we too must stay humble and never forget where we have come from. Never forget our humble beginnings. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 verse 3, it says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So we aren't to think of ourselves better than other people. Remember where you came from, whether that is where you're born or also spiritually. The man who wrote Amazing Grace understood. I once was lost, but now I'm found. This is where I've come from. That there was a day where I was lost, where I didn't know where I was headed, where I was wandering in darkness, but then Christ found me. You see, God is a God who loves us so much that as humble as he is, he comes after, he leaves the 99 and he comes after the one because he loves us so much. Don't forget about where you've come from. Don't forget that you once were lost. When we look at non-Christians, let us not look upon them in such a way that they should know better, that they just don't understand. No, pray for them. Encourage them. Teach them. Help them. Because they too are lost, but yet we know that they can be found just as we once were. We are all part of the body of Christ. We all play a different role, whatever that may be, whatever role you may play in the body of Christ, each one of us is vital. The scripture relates it to a, a physical body. You know that if your hand is hurting you, or your knees are hurting you, or your eyes you can't see, things are not always the best, right? Because yes, you may still be alive, but your body is not functioning the way that it should. 
Right? Talk to me, you right? You understand that. Your body is not functioning the way that it should. In the same way, Christ says that we are the body of Christ, that we are to work together for his honor and for his glory. And so it doesn't matter what role I play in the body because each role is important. So it doesn't matter if I'm standing on stage speaking or I'm sitting back there in the sound booth, we are still both equally important because we play a role in the body of Christ. The English architect, Sir Christopher Wren, was supervising the construction of a magnificent cathedral in London. A journalist thought it would be interesting to interview some of the workers who were working on this cathedral, so he chose three men and asked them this question. What are you doing? Now keep in mind that these men were all working on this cathedral, but he asked each of them the same question. What are you doing? Well, the first man said, I'm cutting stone for 10 shillings a day. Okay. The second man he asked said, well, I'm working a 10 hour day each day on this job site. So he gets to the third man and he asks him, what are you doing? The third man said this, I'm helping to construct one of the greatest cathedrals London has ever seen. Amen. That it's not about just the little part that I play, but it's about the bigger picture. You see, it does not matter if you are volunteering in the nursery, if you're teaching a Sunday school class, if you're driving a church van or volunteering with the youth. It has no bearing on whether you take out the garbage or standing at the front door. We are all part of the body of Christ, and what we're doing is building the kingdom of God. That's what we're doing. We're building the kingdom of God together. When we see the bigger picture, it helps us to say, this is my part and I'm going to do it well. This is my part and I am going to do it to the best of my ability because it's not about bringing honor and glory to myself, but at the end of the day, it's me standing before God and saying, God, I did my very best to help build your kingdom. I did my very best to help build your kingdom because that is what we are called to do, to build his kingdom. Not to build up our own church, but to build up God's kingdom. It's not about competition. It's about his kingdom. And that is what we are called to do. Therefore, God elevated him, Jesus, to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You see, it's all about God. It's all about him. God is the main attraction. He is the main attraction. He is the one that we want to see. He is the one that we should want to desire. He is the one that should have our full attention in everything that we do. When we come into the Lord's house, we should come anticipating meeting with the Lord. Amen. We shouldn't come out of ritual. We shouldn't come out of habit. We shouldn't come out of feeling like we have to, but we should come desiring to meet with God. You see, many times we can leave feeling, well, I didn't get anything out of that service. There's some people who have that attitude. Oh, well, the music was too loud. The speaker yelled too much. The service went too long. I didn't know any of the songs. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. Did you see this person who was raising their hands? That person went to the altar again. What's wrong with them? There are so many things that can take our focus off God. And you know why people feel sometimes that I come into church and I didn't get anything from it? You know why? Because we come with the wrong attitude. We come with the wrong attitude. When you enter my gates, you enter with thanksgiving. You enter my courts with praise. You already are coming with that attitude. You see, we don't come and then we we, give, we have thanksgiving, then we have gladness, then we have praise. No, when you come, you come with that. Amen. 
We come with that attitude to anticipate hearing from God, to anticipate feeling the Spirit move, to anticipate leaving, feeling challenged and changed and transformed. That's the attitude God wants us to have when we come into his house. We must come with that attitude that God is the main attraction. Stop looking around. Stop thinking about what other people are doing or wondering what they're thinking about you. Because guess what? They're thinking the same thing. Should I sit? Should I stand? Should I raise my hand? Should I kneel? Who cares? Because at the end of the day, it's not about them. It's not about your relationship with them. It's about your relationship with God. And so I tell you this. I tell you this, that if it takes you coming to this altar 100 times to make your relationship right, then you come 100 times. Forget about what other people have to say. You come and you do what you need to do. Come with that attitude of anticipating hearing from the Lord. You know, some Christians get turned off from coming to church because not so much of the, the music or this or that, but you know why? It's because of the people in the church. Did you know that? Anthony, who is one of our youth, you're going to come up here. He's going to help me with something, so come on up. This is Anthony. Give him a round of applause. Come on up, Anthony. People get turned off by people in the church. People who lie, who gossip, who live double standards, who, who steal, who cheat, who, you know, do all of these things. We get turned off by the people in the church, and that's what a lot of people say. Anthony, I, I want you to do this for me. I have a cup of water, <laughs> okay? And it's pretty full, right? It's pretty full. Okay, so you're going to hold that. So what I want you to do, Anthony, is I want you to go down the stairs with the water, and I want you to walk from that side of the altar to the other side. All right? Okay, without spilling. All right? No, you can't drink any of it. Okay, so do you think he can do it? How many of you think he can walk from one side to the other without spilling? All right. All right, Anthony. Let's see you do it. So don't spill any. All right. Okay. Excellent. Give him a round of applause. He did it. All right. You can put it on the communion table. So come on up here, Anthony. He didn't spill it. He didn't. All right. You can have some if you want. It's clean. (laughs) So, Anthony, I just want to ask you, was that difficult? Nope. It wasn't. Okay. But what was was the hardest part about doing that? Uh, I think... The hardest part was probably focusing on the water, trying not to make it spill. Okay, so you were focused on the water. So did you see who was clapping or saying anything around you? No. No, why? Because I was focused on the water. You were focused on the water. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. You see, just like Anthony had to focus on the water... He had to focus so that he didn't stumble, so that he didn't spill, so that he didn't drop, so that he didn't walk on something else that it could possibly fall on. We as Christians need to stop looking around at everyone else and what everyone else is doing, but to focus on what's right in front of us, to focus on our relationship with God so that we don't stumble and fall in our relationship with him. Because you see, when we are focused on Jesus, As we are told to turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And when we do that, the things of the world will fade away. The things of this world won't matter anymore because we're so focused on him. That's what he calls us to do. You see, Christ doesn't call us to follow our friends. He doesn't call us to follow our family or a husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend. He doesn't call us to follow the people at work or the people at school. He doesn't call us to follow even the people in our church or even the pastor. He calls us to follow him. That's who he calls us to follow. He says that your attitude should be like mine, not like that person or not like this person, but your mindset and your attitude should be that of Christ Jesus. 
We are called to be like him. He is the main attraction. Do we have that understanding? Do we have that attitude to say, God, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. God, it doesn't matter what I've done. God, it doesn't matter the things that have happened to me, but I know that it's all about you. And whether we realize it or not, whether we even believe it or not, it does not change the fact that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the reality. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, it should compel you. It should compel me to live differently. It should compel us to have attitudes that are of Christ. Are we living with that attitude, an attitude of Christ? You see, we cannot control most of what happens in our life. There are a lot of things that we cannot control, things that happen, sicknesses, diseases, what other people do. We can't control those things. The only thing that we can control is our attitude about it and how we react. That is the thing that we can control. How many of you know Charles Swindle? Charles Swindle wrote a wonderful paragraph about attitude in his book called Strengthening Your Grip. This is what he said. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is important, it's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or even skill. Attitude will make or break a company. It will make or break a church or a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every single day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing that we can do is play the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me, and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. You are in charge of your attitude. We are each in charge of our own attitude. Is your attitude that of Christ? Is it that of Christ? Our mindset and our attitude should go hand in hand, and they do. And it should reflect how we see the world. Do we see it through the eyes of Christ? Do we need to change our mindset and our attitude? Do we need to ask the Lord to help us to change our mind and our attitude? You see, my mindset tells me that I've got my mind made up. And because that is my mindset, here's my attitude. My attitude says, because I've got my mind made up, my attitude says, and I won't turn back. You know why? Because I want to see my Jesus someday. My mind and my attitude I have made up. Have you made up your mind? Have you changed your attitude to reflect that of Christ? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you, Father, that you have sent your son, Jesus, to come and to show us how we should live. We thank you, Father, for the humble attitude that he displayed even while on the cross. And we pray that, Lord, you would help to challenge us, to change us, to transform us, to help us to be people with attitudes that are reflective of you. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to let go of the things of the past, that you would help us to let go of the things that we've been holding on to. But, Lord, may we truly reflect who you are in how we act, in what we say, in how we treat other people, in the decisions and the choices that we make. And so, Father, may you continue to be with us. May you help us not to focus on other people and those who surround us, but to truly focus on you, for you are the main attraction. And Lord, we recognize that we need you more than we ever have. And so, Lord, may you be with us. May your Holy Spirit speak to us, and may you bring about the change and the transformation that you desire from us tonight. In the powerful name of your Son, Jesus, amen. Amen. Would you stand? And as our worship team leads us, 
I want to invite you this evening to come. To come and find a place kneeling or standing around the altar. And I believe that tonight we need to say, Lord, change my heart. Lord, help to change my mind. Lord, there are so many things that go through my mind, but Lord, I recognize that I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. That it's not about me, God. That it's not about what I want, but Lord, I'm allowing you to lead me. I'm allowing your will to be done in my life. You see, this life is so temporary and it's so uncertain. And we need to call upon the God that we know who is unchangeable, who is unshakable, who is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. To say that it's not about me and it never will be about me. But Lord, you deserve all the glory. And so God, come. Come and change my heart. Come and search me. Come and change my mind. Come and change my attitude. And while you do that, Lord, and you change my attitude, help me in my attitude to forgive those who I need to forgive, to let go of the things I've been holding on too long for, to help me, Lord, to come before you with thanksgiving and gladness, to help me to look at my circumstance, and even though it's not going the way that I wanted or expected to go, to help me still to be joyful, knowing that you are still the God who walks with me through this valley. And so as we sing, come and pray and call upon him for we need him more than ever. So as we sing, you come. I need thee, oh, I need thee.
want to prolong things, but I really, I don't get this often, but I really feel tonight that there are some of you here who need to change your attitude in terms of forgiving someone tonight. And you see, we cannot come before a God who we have not seen when we're still holding something against our brother and our sister. And so I want you to continue to sing as worship team, you feel led. And I feel that you need to come and say, Lord, help me to forgive them. Or maybe you even need to, if they're here tonight, go up to them and bring them to the altar. You see, it's not about who's around and it's not about what people think, but it's about you making your relationship right with God. And before we can come before God and offer worship to him, we need to take care of the business in our lives. And so let us sing and you come and you do what you need to do tonight. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Of my life. 
Can you close your eyes for a second? Right now, between you and God, can you make a new resolution? Can you make a new resolution to God and say, God, I have resolved. I have decided to have you take control of my whole life. Body, soul, and spirits. My mind, all my thoughts, each one of them. I bring all of them captive to your presence, God. Make a new resolution to God right now. Make a new resolution between you and God right now and say, God, I want to bring your kingdom here on earth. But it's starting with me first in my heart. Just speak to him right now. Just speak to him. Talk to God right now. Talk to your beloved father. It's so good to be in your presence. There's nothing, nothing, nothing better than your presence, God. Your presence is everything that we need, God. In Christ, you are enough for us. You're everything that we need, God. But we have decided, we have resolved of not going back to our homes in the same way that we have come here before, God. We have decided to have you, God, to have the whole control of our lives. And right now, God, we want to bring captive all our thoughts to your presence. We want to bring captive each one of the thoughts that we have inside of our minds, God. And as the Apostle Paul, he has taught us, you are able to transform our lives by the renewing of our minds. So here we are, God, offering ourselves as a living sacrifice to you. Please, God, change our lives. Change our lives, God. Reset our minds, God. Make something new through our lives. May we able to not simply proclaim, but live every single day of our lives through our actions and also reactions. Showing your love, showing your kingdom, God. And your kingdom is a kingdom of love, is a kingdom of peace, is a kingdom of justice, God. And we want to bring this forward to each one of the relationships that we have in our lives. It started with our beloved ones, with our family, with our parents, with our brothers and sisters. For each one of them, God, we want to show your love. That's why we want to ask you, please, God, renew our minds tonight. Change us. Make us your people, God. Make us your holy nation. That decides above all not to think about ourselves, but about you first, God. Seeking your kingdom first in your righteousness. And we know that you have like higher thoughts than ours. Your plans are higher than ours. And we want to submit to yours, God. Yes. Do so much more in our lives, God. We start with our hearts, with our minds, with our thoughts, and our attitudes. We want to have a new attitude. Where we show your love. Where we proclaim your love. And where we live every single day, step by step, declaring your love, God. Thank you so much for what you have done here. Thank you because this is a resolution. And from this day on, you will change the path of our lives. And we will see many fruits, fruit of your spirit, God, taking control of our lives. Why? Because we are your temple. And we want to ask you, please, God, have your way in our lives. Every single moment, every single day, every single minute and hours that we live in, God. We want more of you and less of us. Thank you for what you have done. And we know you will do so much more in our lives, God. And for you alone, we give praise. We give glory, we give honor, we give worship because you are worthy of it all. We love you, God. We love you, God. And for you that we come here to praise you, for you we're going to go back home with your blessings, with your protection. May you guide us, God, according to your will that we always know is good, pleasing, and perfect. In Jesus' name we pray to you. May you say amen.